My friends, we rise for the Alleluia verse. is recorded in the Gospel of St. Luke, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 49th verse. Glory to you, O Lord. We hear these words. Jesus said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and oh, that it would already be kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with. But how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on this earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For now, from now on, in one house there will be five divided against three, and two against three. And they will be divided father against son, and son against father, and mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He then said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you at once say a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the wind blowing from the south, you say, there will be a scorching heat, and then it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but you do not know how to interpret the present time. Here ends the reading of our gospel lesson. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Tonight to you, my friends, in the Savior's name. A long time ago, there was a great steamship called the USS Central America, and it was making its way from California to New York. And it was going by the South Horn of South America, the most treacherous seas in the world. And this was way before the days of GPSs and uh, Loran navigational aids and all those things that we have today. It was just the ship and the captain, and navigation, and that was it. And they were in the waves, but the waves were 45 feet tall. They were in the middle of a storm for four and a half days, where they saw nothing but cloud and nothing but darkness, and they had no idea where the ship was at. On the morning of the fifth day, there was a little break in the clouds, And some stars shone. And the captain was quick to get his sextant out and to take a fix on those stars. And from his fix, he could determine where the ship was. And from that fix, he could chart a course that would take the ship through the storm to safety on the other side. Now, if you can picture that in your mind, then you can picture what the sermon today is about. And you can understand what we want to talk about today from the Bible reading in the book of Hebrews. The sermon is based on the next verses that come from what we heard tonight, which literally say this, Fix your eyes upon Jesus, 
the author and the perfecter of our faith. We're not talking about ships, but we're talking about our lives. And the writer to the Hebrews understands the storms that you and I are living through right now. And how the times are times that are filled with evil. He understands the dangers that are out there in all of its forms. The danger to our souls when we adopt the world's values and the world's attitudes. He knows the dangers that happen in our lives when we become apathetic about following Jesus Christ. He knows the dangers out there when we make choices in our life as if Jesus doesn't matter. And oh, how easy that is, isn't it? He understands the dangers that are out there. Because someday everything that we see will come to an end and what will matter are only these things. Faith in Christ, trust in Christ, and hope in Christ. And so that's why he speaks to you and me at this most perilous time of history saying, let us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Why? Because if you think about it, it really is all about Jesus, right? So let's look at these words just a little bit as we focus this evening. The Greek word for fix is a word that goes like this, is aphorontes. Well, okay, well, what the heck does that mean? It literally means to focus, but it's, it's more than just focus. It's the act of having all sorts of distractions around us and being able to tune them out to focus on the one thing that is important. I mean, you know, think about it like in golf. You know, who's the most famous golfer in the world right now? A guy by the name of Tiger Woods, right? And he gets up there and he's ready to golf. And the crowds are out there, they're out there, and the TV cameras are looking at him. I mean, there's like 1,500 people, cameras in his face. And what does he do? All of that is just distraction that is tuned out as he's focused on one thing, the backside of that golf ball to hit it. Now, you know what? Maybe Tiger can do it. I, if I was up there to try to hit, and 1,500 people looking at me and cameras in my eyes, you know where that ball would go. Kaboomksh in the drink. Okay, well, it'd go that way anyway, but you know what I mean. It's focus. Focus. Or I think of the, uh, the great hockey player Wayne Gretzky in his biography. He wrote this. He said, when I am on the ice, I focus like a surgeon in the operating room. And I'm thinking, man, what a quote. It could be the seventh game of the Stanley Cup Finals. And there could be 52,000 people screaming like mad. I mean, you talk about distractions. Six people on the ice to keep him from getting the puck in the net. And what is his focus? This puck is going in where? That net. And that's all that is on his mind at the moment. That's the picture of this word, aferontes, or fix. And as the writer to the Hebrews is writing, he says, you know what, in the world in which you live, and all of the distractions are out there, he invites us to have that kind of focus on the Savior. And so we ask the question tonight, what is it that you are fixed or focused on? You know what, if you're fixed and you're focused on your failures, or if you're fixed and you're focused on the horrible things in the past, or if you're fixed or focused on your life shortcomings and that's what you're using to chart 
the course of your life, then you're fixed on the wrong thing. Those are the things that tangle us up in the race of life. Because we belong to Jesus, we get to focus or take a fix in our lives on knowing that our past is forgiven. The Bible puts it this way. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. We come to God's house where the cross is and it reminds us that my sins are as white as snow. Tonight when we receive, when we receive the sacrament, it is the Lord Jesus saying your sins are forgiven. It's like this new focus point in our lives. Who are we? We're forgiven children of God. What are you focused on? If you're focused on the accolades and the praise of, and the praise of this non-Christian world, and if you're focused on what's being said out there is more important than what's being said in the Word of God, well, then you're sitting right there in our Old Testament lesson, the book of Jeremiah, where God was chastising the prophets for not speaking the Word. And you're focused in the wrong place. If I'm more concerned what other people think than what God says in the Word, then I'm in trouble. Then I'm in trouble. Today's, today's gospel lesson talks about focus. And he has these really weird words. He says, I did not come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. And all of that kind of crazy stuff. Did you hear that? Mother against daughter, daughter against mother-in-law, son against... I mean, what's that all about? Well, if you think about it, there are things in our lives that tangle us up. You and I get to focus on the things that are true, the things that give hope, the things that have ultimate value. Those words don't make any sense unless we understand that there is a dividing line. A dividing line about right and wrong. A dividing line about true and false. A dividing line about what is pleasing to God and what is not. And we've discovered that it's worth it to follow Christ and we're invited to let that be our focus. When I read those words from the book of from the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 12, you know, a son against his father and a father against his son. I think of my friend Perry. Perry was probably one of the very best guitar players that I ever played with. He came from a Jewish family. His father was very devout in, in the Jewish faith. And Perry had come to discover and know Jesus. And so one night at the supper table, he kind of cleared his throat and he said to his family, he said, I've got something to tell you. And he remembers it as if it was uh, just yesterday. He said to his family that he had now become a Christian and he was, be, he was a follower of Jesus now. And he hoped that they would be someday too. And Perry remembers this like it was yesterday, that because he chose to follow Christ and take his, the fix for his life on Christ, his father, the devout Jewish dad that he was, literally picked him up grabbed him by his hair, and we all had long hair back then. We even had hair, you know what I mean? And grabbed him by the scruff of the hair and grabbed him by the shirt and literally threw him out of the house. You talk about divided son against father. And when I met Perry, he was living in his car, sleeping in his car, and was the happiest guy that I had ever met. Happy. Because he knew what really mattered in life. With Jesus, hope was real. With Jesus, forgiveness was real. 
With Jesus, heaven was real. And life came all together for Perry when Jesus became the center of his life. And maybe that's what it is for you. I know for me. Man, I look at the world and think, how can they survive without Christ? Right? There's our hope. And that's what Perry had. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews is reminding us tonight that let us fix our eyes on Jesus Because that's where forgiveness is. That's where hope is. That's where heaven is. And so other people don't like that fact. Big deal. Because I belong to Christ Jesus. And we take our fix from that. So what are you fixed on tonight? What's your focus this evening? If you're focused on your possessions and the desire for things, and if your things are charting the course of your life, then you're focused on the wrong things because all of those things that are out there get us tangled up. And yes, we need to take care of them. And yes, we need to be treating our possessions in a godly way, but they're not to be the things that drive our life. You and I get to focus on the things that are eternal and live our life today based on what the future is. We have an eternal perspective, even tonight. You know, I think it's like my grandma. My grandma had this bizarre habit. She would read a book, love to read. She'd read the first chapter, then she'd read the last chapter, and then she'd read everything in between. And I'd look at her and say, what the heck, grandma? Why do you do that? And she'd just kind of smile and she would say, Well, when you know how the story ends, the rest of the book makes sense. (laughs) If you think about it, isn't that a picture of our lives? When you know how the story of our life ends, then the rest of it makes sense. Because of Jesus, our life doesn't end in heartache. It ends with hope, right? Because of Jesus, our life doesn't end with hell, but it ends with heaven. Because of Jesus, our life doesn't end in failure, it ends with forgiveness. Because of Jesus, our life doesn't end in sickness or disease. Yeah, we're all going to go through it. We're all going to have some kind of moment when the doctor is going to look at you and me and he's going to say, well, Paul, guess what? But our life doesn't end with sickness and disease. It ends in healing for eternity. And our life doesn't end because of Jesus in tears. But it ends with the embrace of a loving heavenly father who wipes away every tear. That's why St. John writes some of the most beautiful words in all of the Bible in Revelation chapter 21. He says, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things, I love it, has passed away. Man, what a final chapter of life to look at. It's kind of like my daughter when she was a little girl. You know what? I I kid you not, when she was four years old, it was horrible. She didn't sleep through the night until she was four. And so every night you'd go and you'd crawl in bed and her bedroom was just across the hall on the other side and ours was here. I have no idea how my wife got this to work that no matter where the bed was in the bedroom, my side was close to the door. In the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, here's my daughter and you'd hear this little whimper. 
Maybe some of you understand how this was. And I'd lay there in bed and go, just go to sleep, please. Just tonight, just sleep. And you hear the whimper again. Oh, come on, please, just sleep. I'm so tired. Dad, why can't you just say mom once? So I'd get up and I'd walk across the hall. And I remember one particular night I walked in and I sat on her beds. What's what's the matter, sweetie? Do you need a drink? No. Did you have a bad dream? No. Do you have a leg ache? No. Sweetie, what's the matter? I don't know. And cheers, right? So I reached over and I picked her up. And I held her in my arms and I got the little Kleenex and I dabbed her eyes and held her for a little bit. Then I laid her back down in the bed and she rolled over and snuggled in and went to sleep. And whatever it was that had caused such big tears that would wake her up in the middle of the night was lost in a father's love. My friends, in this world, you and I will have tears. And, you know, we haven't lived this long without having them already. The pains, the sorrows, the struggles, the pain of living this side of heaven in a sin-broken world. And we can focus on those tears all we want. But on account of Jesus Christ, we are reminded that every tear is wiped away. Your tears and my tears and all the horrible things that cause them to be. On account of Jesus Christ, will be lost in a father's love. On the day that we step into heaven. That's why. You and I get to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because only Jesus matters. And the writer to the Hebrews puts a point on it. He says, you know what? As men and women who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, who have heaven as a home, who have a heavenly Father who will wipe away all of our tears. He says, live your life. In a way that lets the world know that your eternal future awaits. He writes these words. He says, as we're journeying in those in-between chapters of the book of our life, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know, think about the ship, the Central America. When it was in, though, a storm and it was battering. The crew grabbed everything that might cause them to sink and tossed it out. Why? They couldn't afford to hold on to the things that would take them down. Right? And so likewise, for our lives, we can't afford to hold on to the things that would cause us to sink. We're reminded to avoid the places, the situations, the people that get us into trouble. In the power of Christ Jesus, in the forgiveness that is yours and mine from the cross, And the new start that is ours every day, we get to let go of it and say, Lord, my focus is on you. You take care of all of that. 
That's why the Bible goes on to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, the hopelessness that so easily entangles, the misery that so easily entangles, whatever it is that has entangled you. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Many years ago, when the Summer Olympics were taking place, the fans who were watching the marathon, 25 miles of running, okay, I can maybe make one. 25 miles of running. They were just getting ready to leave the stadium when they heard the sirens go and the police whistles go. The last, a lone runner, the last runner to finish the race was coming into the stadium an hour and a half after the winners. And as they watched, they saw this runner, a man by the name of John Stephen Aquardi from Tanzania, limping into the stadium. His leg was gashed. He had, he had bandages around, blood was dripping, and every step you could see him wince. And yet in the last 400 meters running around inside that stadium, the crowd saw what was going on, and they stood up and they began to cheer. And they celebrated his arrival as if he was the winner. It was a powerful moment. And yet someone asked him these words. They said, Mr. Akwari, with such serious injuries, why did you bother to finish the race? Why didn't you just quit? To which Akwari said these famous words. They're historic he said, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. He knew what he was focused upon, right? He knew why he was running, right? And he knew what laid ahead. Let us have the same mind as we follow Jesus. Let the same thing be said about you and me that we know who we're focused on. We know why we are running this race of life and we know what lays ahead. Let us run the race with perseverance. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Why? Because after all, my friends, it truly is all about Jesus, is it not? In Jesus' name, my dear and precious friends, amen. Would you stand for a moment as we close with a word of prayer? We pray. Dear Savior, help us to fix our hearts and our lives upon you and you alone. Help us to let the focus of our very being be the focus that comes from your word and promise. Strengthen us in all trials, lift us in all difficulties, and remind us and fill our hearts with joy, because we belong to you. Grant to us a focus such as this today, tomorrow, and all of the days of our life until we step into our heavenly home. Grant it, O Lord, in your holy name we pray. Amen.